From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Jonathan Von Tobel and Adam Candy on ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, Ari's got it right. It was all a dream. Cofield's out. Candy's in. Von Tobel. Ari back to Finley Toyota Studios on your Tuesday. Cofield and company. Big day here on the show as we will talk to Miles Simmons about the NFL free agency. Sort of the real beginning here as we start to see who the cap casualties are, who the franchise tags are, who the Raiders decided to trade today. Uh, maybe not a surprising name for them to let go, but I think the trade was a little bit uh, surprising in terms of how it went down. Storm Bonatoni joins us for some VGK talk. Uh, what happens when your hotel on the road goes bankrupt while you're staying there? Uh, we got to find out from Stormy exactly what's happening with that. Yvonne Buha talks Lakers with us in a little bit. Q Myers, Sammy P, and of course, Coach Joe as Champ Week continues. But uh, John, I know you're diving into some college basketball here today uh are, are you ready for champ week are you ready for march madness are, are you ready for the whole thing um that depends are they going to give me about a month to catch up on everything that i've missed because if they will be uh if they will then i will be right i'll be ready to go if not then i have a lot of cramming to do over the next couple of days you know what it kind of sounds like being in school in general like yeah it would have been nice if i had had a month to to do all this but uh i don't and so right. i'm just gonna jam in as much as i can and try to sound smart Right. And to for everybody out there, right, you know, my main assignment over at Beeson has changed to cover the NBA only. Uh, so that has consumed most of my time. So I have consumed a lot of college hoops over these last couple of days of the All-Star break, kind of trying to catch up and see what's going on in the lay of the land. But uh, I will tell you something, Adam, and usually you hear the opposite. And I know you love college hoops, but watching just the NBA this entire season and then trying to like cold turkey get into college hoops. The level of play sucks, bro. Like, it's just – like, it's so slow. Like, the guy – obviously, it's college kids. Some of them are pretty young. We know that they're just out of high school. A good chunk of these kids that you're watching, especially, you know, the lower-tiered conferences, things like that. But good God. Like, it's easier to watch. It's actually a lot easier to track with your eyes after watching the NBA for so long and just the NBA. But uh, I find myself wanting more. What do you mean? You don't have to watch an NBA game till the last five minutes. <laughs> Right. I, come on. That's what we're used to hearing. No, I know what you mean, dude. I know what you mean. And especially champ week is maybe worse than all of it, because if this is the week you decide to jump in, then right. you're jumping in on like, you know, the, the the Ohio Valley Championship, the Patriot League Championship. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not what I was promised. Who, who was what? Was it Elon? Whoever Elon was playing yesterday. You know, I watched a good chunk of that game, too. And I was like, oh, good God. Like no. those are some those are some ugly mid range jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> I think ugly mid range jumpers is what we could describe this entire week as in uh, in a lot of ways. But folks, stay tuned. Even though we're probably going to talk about some slow college basketball, because we also have a couple of VGK viewing party giveaways. Those are coming up here in just a little bit. You're going to call and harass Ari, and Ari is going to be very pleasant on the phone with you. But one of you always. is going to be a lucky winner, right? Ari's cordial as always. I think 100% of the time. Ari loves interacting. Absolutely. Cordial, friendly, uh, welcoming. More welcoming, perhaps, than the Raiders were to Trent Brown today. Uh, John, as it is a big day in the NFL, today is the day where teams have to decide whether or not to use 
their franchise designations on players. And that also leads to a number of moves. So let's recap a little bit of what's happened here for the Raiders. We just got the official word in the last few minutes that they've released Richie Incognito. They've released Marcus Joyner. And we heard earlier today that they traded Trent Brown, who was their huge free agent signing just two years ago, four years, 60 plus million dollars, brought in at the highest money ever for a tackle, and then immediately moved to right tackle to make room for Colton Miller. And he has been traded back to the Patriots, uh, restructured contract there for, I think, a year and $11 million. Yep. Uh, and it seemed like, John, from everything we've seen, that it was hard to tell which side was happier to get away from the other. Right. Uh, immediately posting up on Instagram how happy he was to, <laughs> to be back with the Patriots. I think he retweeted a tweet of his own saying, I told you some good things were coming. Uh, so, look, I think we all know, right? was pretty tumultuous relationship for the most part. Availability was a massive issue, uh, whether through fault of his own or not. Uh, the scary issue, of course, with the air uh, in his bloodstream, all of that stuff. It was a weird relationship. Uh, but I think, to me, Adam, like before, you know, before we get to the ramifications of this for the offensive line, what it means, tumultuous relationship and not working out has kind of been the mantra for this Raiders team uh, for the last like two years in terms of acquisitions. And, and I feel like it's just kind of this weird, troublesome trend that we have now seen. And especially when you just go back through the entire 2019 offseason. But this is just another name and, and another person, which was a target of the Raiders at one point, a coveted guy. That just didn't work out, and there's fingers to point on both sides, but again, it's just troubling that this continuously happens with this team and with these decisions this front office has made. All right, so let's run through that 2019 free agency class, and this is going to include a man who never actually played a game for the Raiders right. because there was a contract signed here, uh, but Trent Brown, as we mentioned, four years, $66 million. LaMarcus Joyner got cut today. That was four years, $42 million. Uh, hugely subpar performance for LaMarcus Joyner, who they never really let him settle anywhere between safety, slot corner. It didn't matter where they put him. It didn't really work out. Tyrell Williams at wide out, four years, $44 million. Uh, 42 catches, didn't play this year with the torn labrum. Only played about half a season in his first year. And, of course, the aforementioned Antonio Brown, who also cost you a third round pick, a fifth round pick, signed to a three year, $50 million contract. Now, of course, that is, of course, just play money uh, because there were no big guarantees in there for Antonio Brown. But, uh, John, what's the deal here? Is it just that John Gruden as GM is not going to work or or is it just that the setup they have with Gruden and Mayock doesn't make any sense? Or is this organization just flat bad at picking people? I mean, it seems like the that like the latter, right? Like it's just that they're flat out bad at like evaluating talent, but uh, or even executing it, right? Joiner putting him in positions which he is not comfortable, literally positions, right, and that he's not comfortable uh, at playing. It just seems odd. Not only there, we can talk about talent evaluation, right? We can talk about the swings in the draft and the reaches in the draft that have potentially not really worked out, but it's just been this overarching theme, Adam, right, of personnel decisions that have, for the most part, not worked out because they have made some really solid personnel decisions, right? Uh, we have to give them credit for a lot of those, including Waller. But, like, when you look at overall, I think the negative outweighs the positive when it comes to evaluating talent, spending money properly, and then bringing these guys in to make sure, you know, and, and making sure that they fit in the system that you have in place. And now what's interesting is you make all of these moves, and you set you you set yourself up. I think now they have like the seventh most cap space at this point right now. 
um, in the National Football League with all these moves that they have freed up? Do you trust them to spend this money that they now have again, right? My God, no. Of course right. I don't. What In what way can you – look – you sent over another tweet that runs it down very well from Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus. Let's go past the guys that I just mentioned. Carl Nassib, Nick Kwiatkowski, Jordy Nelson, Marcus Mariota, Tahir Whitehead, Malik Collins, Rashawn Melvin. I mean, the, the track record here is not exactly strong beyond what you mentioned with Darren Waller. And I think we can give them credit uh, because there was a point at which no one thought Richie Incognito was salvageable and mm -hmm. he performed well for them. So we're going to get more into this. We've got Miles Simmons coming up at 2.30 to talk uh, overall NFL and some Raiders with us. And, of course, we will have Q Myers on at 4.15 to run through everything on the Raiders. Uh, here in Vegas, of course, the Mountain West Tournament getting started tomorrow. And once again, John, we've got the UNLV running Rebels playing in the opening round in the 7-10 game against Air Force. Um, <laughs> we will not be asking the question this year of will UNLV fans show up for the game that's a good thing right right yes. yeah well, yeah okay. it's, it's a massive deal yes right yeah we don't have to we don't have to say are UNLV fans going to come out and make it a home court advantage I mean Steve Alford's going to be back here Steve Alford thankfully won't have to be complaining like he did at New Mexico about the home court advantage for UNLV so <laughs> I guess that's a positive right uh, they won't yeah. be walking into the droves of running rebel fans yes running, rebels just Oh, deafening chance, the shark thing, oh, everything. It's going to be it's so much more even footing now for all of these teams coming to town. Adam. Exactly. I feel like now, finally, we get to see a Mountain West tournament played solely on the merits, not influenced <laughs> by the giant building down on Tropicana. Um, by the way, can I just say, I, I know they haven't played them since 2018. At least I should say in the first round of the Mountain West Conference Tournament. But why does it feel like they play Air Force in the first round every single year? Every year. Right? Like, they, every they, year. It feels like they have. Like, they actually, the last, what, two or three seasons they haven't. But it just feels like this is a match, like, cemented in before the season starts. It's going to be Air Force, UNLV. Like, I'm surprised the rivalry is not a lot stronger. You know what I mean? Oh, and, and it obviously should be. These are two teams that find themselves in this round of the tournament, uh, just as we all expected. Right. at the beginning of the season and what year was it was it 17 or 18 they played the triple overtime game oh it's uh, 2018 97 yeah. to 90 okay. yep. yeah J jacob van having the game <laughs> of his career in case you don't know who jacob van is that's exactly right you shouldn't know who jacob van is he just kept air force in that game far longer than anyone thought they were going to uh, we're going to get into unlv talk with our buddy coach joe later on in the show there are some Mountain West teams on the bubble. Steve and I at length talked about what a brilliant idea it was for Craig Thompson to force his teams to play extra games and maybe play their way right off the bubble uh, last week. We'll talk to Coach Joe a little bit more about that coming up. Uh, VGK was shut out last night in Minnesota, 2-0, uh, mostly a 1-0 game. Marc-Andre Fleury again stands on his head, but no Mark Stone, no Alex Petrangelo, still no Braden McNabb. And the Golden Knights continue to struggle in Minnesota. Story Bonatoni in about an hour is going to join us and talk more about what's going on on this road trip with VGK. But on the other side, uh, another college football coach has proven to be a giant creep. Except we already knew about this eight years ago, and the guy still got another job. It's Cofield and Company. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. 
Joe Cofield, just company today. Jonathan Von Tobel, Adam Candy, and Ari back at the studio. Hang with us about 10 minutes from now. Miles Simmons is going to join us. Former RJ Raiders reporter. Now big man about the entire United States when it comes to the National Football League. Down a level below, we got to talk a little college football. And I wish we were not talking about this in college football, John, but uh, Creepy Les Miles, who apparently was super, super creepy, if not worse, back in 2013, according to an investigation at LSU, uh, got another chance at Kansas, um, ran that Kansas team so far into the ground that they were one of the easiest bet against teams in all the world last year. <laughs> And now has somehow managed to lose his job, not for that performance, but because all of the horrendous details of what has been put by ESPN as inappropriate behavior toward female students during his coaching tenure at LSU uh, has come out. So what exactly happened here with uh, with good old Wes? So I think we, we start back with the report, right, back in 2013, uh, in which uh, it was reported or excuse me, investigated. Uh, and then, of course, put forward by the investigation crew uh, that Les Miles should be fired uh, from the report saying, quote, I believe he, being Les Miles, is guilty of insubordination, inappropriate behavior, putting the University Athletic Department of Football program at gate risk. They think we have cause. I specifically told him not to text or call or be alone with any student workers, and he obviously didn't listen. I know there are many possible outcomes and much risk either way, but I believe it is in best interest in the long run to make a it was actually in one of the better lines that you saw in the report was uh, we should be willing to explain uh, why we got rid of him as opposed to why we kept him. Uh, that would be the easier step for us, but they ultimately don't. He stays on. Uh, but this report now comes to light, and that includes some allegations in which he's, as we said, we're kissing student athletes. Uh, another allegation which uh, Adam, of course, uh, he wanted more attractive female workers uh, to be around the team, of course. And if not, if they weren't attractive enough, and then, of course, you had to either cut their hours or fire them. So this is kind of just rampant grossness from one less miles. It shouldn't be surprising, right, that we have seen this in college football. But sure enough, it finally comes to light, and Kansas is like, hey, you know what? I think we got some cause here. Let's get rid of them. Now, what we should note here, and I think you would agree with this, because you alluded to the fact that the Jayhawks were hot garbage last year, and while he's been there, if they were competing for Big 12 titles, does this happen? It's probably a lot tougher. Right. Uh, but since he's at this point where he's at now, he's gone and Kansas looks to, uh, you know, gets to look a little bit like the good guy here. But that's where we're at right now. But it's one of those uh, not surprising, just disappointing type of deals. Right. Yeah, I guess the fact that it's not surprising is the truly sad part of the whole right. thing. Uh, Les Miles goes three and 18 in two seasons at Kansas. Um Furthering on that report that you mentioned, one of the cuts from it that I saw yesterday said that he informed everybody uh, that the student workers needed to be, I believe, young, blonde, and fit, or else he did not want them around. Um, young brunette and fit, I guess you get fired, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to no. That, that that describes me. I'm young, brunette, and fit. I would not be able to be able to hang uh, in the Les Miles program, clearly. Um, you know, when it comes to what happened here, I guess, more than anything else, I was bemused by the statement that Les put out uh, yesterday. This is certainly a difficult day for me and my family. Okay, let me stop you right there, Les. No one cares. 
right. literally nobody cares how difficult this is for you. Uh, I love this university and the young men in our football program. I truly enjoyed being the head coach at KU, and I know that's in a better place now than when I arrived. I believe the kids might write O space R-L-Y uh, after that one. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Uh, to our student athletes, I want you to remember you came to play for KU and earn a degree here. So I implore you to stay on and build what we started and do all the things we talked about doing together. I'm sorry. Is this a Tinder breakup or is he leaving a football program? No, do all the things we talked about doing together. This right. is ridiculous. And the fact that a 67 year old man who had, if not proven allegations, then at least the stench of this. And clearly people knew about this. The stench of this was trailing Les Miles from LSU. And the fact that we are having this discussion both at the college level and the NFL level, that there are qualified black coaches who are not getting an opportunity to lead programs while a dirty retread like Les Miles nope. gets brought on to go 3-18. and 18. And now in the ESPN story from uh, Chris Lowe, we see that Nevada head coach Jay Norvell might be a possibility to replace him. Really? So now you want to bring in Jay Norvell. Now you want to potentially bring in the successful black head coach who, by the way, has probably played himself at Nevada into a much better school than Kansas if he decides he wants to leave. Yeah, 100%. And I would be if I would. Look, Kansas seems to be a program that doesn't have much going for it. And I'm not going to get into the specific, like, Yes, they're a Big 12 program. There's money behind it. I think if you get a legitimately decent head coach like a guy like Norvell, he could potentially start to turn things around. But to your point, uh, why would you want to start from the bottom when you could probably make a little bit more of a uh, <clears throat> upward to lateral move and be in a much more secure spot and a better job at that? And I completely agree with you, right? We talk about this all the time in terms of coaches who deserve shots at bigger and better opportunities. There are minority coaches who have deserved them for a very long time who don't get them, who get passed up for guys like this. And the other side of this too, Adam, is, you know, uh, was it yesterday, the International Women's Day, right, in sports or whatever it was? Right. And, and we see all these stories about these women in sports, and you see the snarky comments about why does it matter and, you know, all this garbage that we see all the time. And it's like, do you realize that we continue to tell stories like this or, or you know, put these women up on a pedestal who have gotten through, right, the minutia that is whatever their career field is, because this kind of stuff happens all of the time. And this is why, like stories like this, you have to talk about them and why women's stories matter. Because this consistently happens on, an, on a yearly, monthly, daily basis. And we consistently get programs like Kansas who are willing to look past it for the sake of potentially winning a couple of football games. And in reality, you don't even win the football games. And now you have egg on your face and you have to fire them. But with like the next time you want to make a snarky comment about like, what does this kind of stuff matter? This is why it matters because this still happens every single day, every single day. And we've heard about it plenty recently when it comes to Major League Baseball. If it's Jared Porter harassing a female reporter, if it's Mickey Calloway, right. the former manager, making people feel uncomfortable. But I feel like at the pro level, as bad as it is at the pro level, it is infinitely worse at the college level with these young women in Les Miles situation where there's this power dynamic involved with college football coaches and college basketball coaches for what it's worth. But college coaches running their kingdoms and the way that they're treated on these campuses, where in many cases they are the highest paid employee publicly in the entire state. If some guy like Les Miles, if some creep like Les Miles 
is trying to exert that power dynamic and hold it over the head of some student worker and try to get to hang out with her or get her in a one-on-one situation, how is a young woman supposed to manage that, right? How is a young woman, especially an 18, 19-year-old woman, supposed to manage that? And, and even using the word woman is probably uh, a step too far for what these are still young ladies, young women who are trying to navigate these situations. It's ridiculous. It's 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 just ridiculous that guys like this keep getting opportunities. And you would hope at the age of 67 that we've seen the last of it with less miles in particular. But like you said, John, it's far more than just one story. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think we are, right? I mean, like that's the trouble with stuff like this. You mentioned a couple of guys already in just other sports, like a Mickey Calloway type or anything like that. You know, DP Mick, I think is what he was called. Like things like the fact that they have nicknames, that it's well known what they do in private circles. Like this isn't ending anytime soon, which is why anybody out there who's tired of hearing it, then do your part and start shaping up and, and stop doing stuff like this because you're right. And it's not even like, look at these big programs, Adam, like in just the realm of sports in general, think about what slips through the cracks, right? About what's not going to get exposed, what's not going to get investigated by independent committee and things of that nature. Like, it's just disheartening to continuously see this happen every almost every single year, almost all the time. And you're right. Like, I would hope that this seems to be an older generation type deal, but it, it really isn't. Uh, it's going to be something that's taught and learned. It's going to be passed down and it's going to. Well, it's probably never going to get better 100 percent of the time, but at least we can do our part to weed it out every single opportunity we get. But at the same time, we're talking about weeding this out. It's happened in 2013. It's 2021. And he's finally getting reprimanded for it. No, it's it's disheartening. And look, we're, we're not here to mansplain it to anybody to explain what it's like for a woman trying to make it in sports. We're just here telling you when these stories are told. Listen, just listen, listen and understand the fact that it's not isolated incidents. It's not one or two people complaining. These are real stories that are probably a small fraction of what's actually happening out in the sports world. And obviously the world at large, but you know, we're here to talk about sports world. So we talk about that in particular. Uh, more coming up later on college sports. We will get back into the pros here with our buddy Miles Simmons talking about the NFL big day right now with the franchise tags, especially with that Raiders organization and what comes next. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Brown had to rework his contract. This deal has actually been done for a couple days. The contract was the thing that took a while. He had about two years, uh, he had two years about roughly $30 million left. Now agrees to a one-year $11 million deal, and he can be a free agent after the 2021 season. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Look, you know if you play that. Ari, come back. You know what you're going to hear. Um, if I got to choose a coast, I got to choose the east. I live out there, so don't go there. New York, born and bred here on Cofield and Company. Adam Candy, John Von Tobel, Ari back at the Finley Toyota Studios. Stay tuned because we sucks. might. Okay, right. West yeah. Coast the best, too. Okay, cool. Yeah, heard that. Yep, yep, yep. Another day. Some, some other time. Some Eastern. other time. Eastern time. Some One of the worst inventions day. ever. 
I am especially loving right now the fact that you've, we've got you on two mics and I'm hearing you like the voice of God. It's fantastic. Um, stay tuned. Whether you live on the West Coast or the East Coast, although preferably you're going to be, want to be on the West Coast for this one in particular, because we might just have Vegas Golden Knights giveaway coming up here in uh, only a few minutes. But that is of no concern to our guest from Pro Football Talk, former Las Vegas Review Journal Raiders reporter at one time as well. He is Miles Simmons. Join us over the phone line. Miles, what is good on a Tuesday afternoon? Oh, man, that intro song. That intro song was fantastic. I love it. If, if Ari plays that for me every single week, when I come on this show, I will be a happy man. I love that song. <laughs> Done. Ari, you're making fans out there, which, I mean, uh, there had time. to be someone. There had to be someone. <laughs> Good job, dude. All right, All right Miles. It is, uh, as you heard on the way back, it is the news of the day here about Trent Brown in Vegas. I don't think anyone is terribly surprised, Miles, that Trent Brown is not going to start the 2021 season with the Raiders. I think there was at least a little bit of surprise that this came via a trade that they didn't ultimately cut him and that he ends up now right back where he started with the Patriots. Uh, what can you tell us about this? Yeah, you know, I, I did think it was interesting that the Patriots are the ones trading for a player like this because when Bill Belichick does this kind of thing where it's somebody that everybody kind of knows. And I think about the Randy Moss trade where Randy Moss was, you know, they, they, people kind of thought that Randy Moss was over. And then, obviously, he goes to the Patriots and you know, sets all kinds of records, and that's basically one of the best offenses we've ever seen in 2007. So it, it's almost a, it's not really the same because Trent Brown obviously plays on the offensive line. But, look, that guy had a great year in 2018 for the Patriots. They know, everybody pretty much knows that he's on the outs with the Raiders, especially with Mike Mayock and the way he was talking about him last week, where it's like, oh, well, we'll see if Trent Brown is still here. You know, he's got to be available. And when he is available, he's a great player, but he just hasn't played. And so because of that, when you see what they traded for him, what's it, a five and a seven? That's yep. not much, right? So if that's the case, then they probably were going to cut Trent Brown unless somebody came along and was like, yes, this is the guy that I want. And Trent Brown obviously wanted to be in New England, too, because he took a pay cut in order to go there. So I think from all of these different perspectives, it's a little bit surprising that he goes to New England. But once you see how the details shake out with it, it's also kind of not, because this is the kind of, I guess, low-risk, high-reward deal that Bill Belichick has done for so many years, and most of the time it's worked out well for those guys in New England. So, Miles, we were talking about this at the start of the show. Like, you you kind of alluded to it, right? The relationship really wasn't great. He wasn't available. It, it seemed like something the Raiders were kind of destined to move on from here. But when you consistently have example of example of player who just doesn't work out, who's just not available, like, that's kind of a troublesome trend. So what do we take from this from the Raiders' perspective in terms of, you know, talent evaluation, spending money? Like, it just seems like they can't get it right. Oh, yeah. Well, look, I, I think that clip has been going around today of John Gruden talking about the Khalil Mack trade and basically all of the players that he says they wouldn't have had if they had kept Khalil Mack. And he's talking about Trent Brown, Vontez Burfick, uh, Tyrell Williams, LaMarcus Joyner. <laughs> None of those players are with the Raiders anymore. So I, it, it sort of is like, all right, well, how much did you really get out of that deal? And obviously you can say, yes, Josh Jacobs is a part of that. 
um, you also have somebody like uh, Jonathan Abram, also a part of that. So there's three first-round picks, yes. You know, when you're talking about Amari Cooper and, uh, and also then Khalil Mack, and what did they get out of those deals? Well, they got draft picks. But if you're talking about the talent evaluation and free agency, they've got to do better because, I mean, we already mentioned those guys like the Trent Brown, Tyrell Williams, and all those guys that were in that 2019 class. Then you look at the 2020, you know, you get somebody uh, like Corey Littleton. I mean, he didn't really do very much. I, I, you know, Carl Nassib, another guy that just did not execute in the way that the Raiders would have needed when you're talking about rebuilding that defense. I think Nick Kukowski had a decent year. But other than that, the Raiders have to do a much better job of figuring out who is going to be a, a person that can come on the team and actually execute what they need what they need to do. Because obviously when you get Gus Bradley in, the defense is going to change. But you just have to do better. If you're going to spend money, you got to spend it in the right places, and you have to spend it on guys that are going to be productive for you. And that's what kind of makes me worry, Miles, because with all these moves that they have made, they freed up. Uh, you know, they were under the excuse me, they were over the cap. Now they're about uh, seventh most, I think. According is a Spo Track or however you pronounce the website. Um, according to that, you know, seventh most cap space. I don't know if we can trust them to spend the money. No, I mean, <laughs> I think that that's a fair point, at least at this point, that because you don't know exactly what they're going to do. And unfortunately they have not shown that they can find free agents that are going to be actually productive for them. Now, I think it's almost a little bit unfair to put Tyrell Williams in that bucket because he was hurt over the last couple of years. I mean, the, the foot issues that he had in 2019 were pretty serious. And so then we also get the issues that he had I mean, before the start of the 2020 season that keeps him out for the entire year. That's just unfortunate. And he's already signed with Detroit. So, you know, maybe he'll be better in Detroit. Maybe it was just a Raiders thing. We'll have to see. But I think at least on the defensive side, when you get LaMarcus Joyner and he was so effective as a free safety in Los Angeles the last couple of years there, and then you put him back at nickel and he just looked lost almost basically for the entire two years that he was there. It just didn't work. And Corey Littleton, another guy with the Rams who looked really, really good for a couple of years there once he became a full-time linebacker. And why is it that in that defensive system he just was not effective? I don't know how much Gus Bradley is going to be able to fix that, and obviously you hope that he can. But at the same time, you've got to figure out exactly what the personnel should be. And I think with Gus Bradley in there, you'd at least like to think that they have maybe a little bit more of a handle on what that should look like. Now, I mean, with Paul Gunther, you had somebody like Vontez Perfect, and the reason that didn't work out was because Vontez Perfect couldn't stop hitting people in the head. You know, it's not like Vontez Perfect was having a poor season before he got suspended um, for hitting Doyle, uh, that Colts tight end back there in Indianapolis. So I, I think that they've got a lot of work to do to figure out exactly what they need to do with their personnel, but there are going to be some options out there. It's just going to be, can you really make the right decisions that are going to work out for you and the organization? Miles Simmons joins us here on Cofield and Company. Miles, with a Y, A. Simmons on Twitter from Pro Football Talk, talking about a big day in the National Football League today with the franchise tag deadline for designations and the moves that the Raiders have made thus far. Uh, Miles, what would you say is 
the either the biggest or the most surprising news that you've seen come out across the league today when it comes to guys who either were tagged or weren't? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of skirt the rules here because this surprised me last night, and it's not necessarily a player who's being tagged to be tagged, but it's Dak Prescott because I didn't necessarily think that Dak Prescott was going to get signed this soon. I thought, obviously, the Cowboys need to do this. Like, if you have a quarterback that you believe in, and even if you think that maybe you might be overpaying him a little bit, there's only one way that this goes, and it's you have to sign the quarterback to an astronomical number. Because all these things do, these quarterback contracts, they only continue to go up. So, the Cowboys conceivably could have signed Dak Prescott to a more reasonable deal, if you, that's what you want to call it, last year, but they didn't. Um, they took that thing up to the wire, and Dak Prescott ended up playing on the franchise tag. And so the interesting thing, too, about this contract with Prescott is that they have basically structured it so that it's almost impossible for them to franchise tag Dak Prescott again. So I just really didn't think that they were going to be able to get this done so soon. I thought that maybe it might take until July 14th, July 15th, when that deadline is um, for franchise tag players to get signed to long-term deals. It's because deadlines usually spur action. But I think part of it, too, might be with this year with the cap the way it is, it it might behoove uh, the Cowboys to get this done a little bit earlier so they know how much breathing room they have on the cap and they can structure this deal with a couple of voidable years so that the cap, uh, the cap hit is spread out a little bit further. So I think that, that all gets put into it. But, yeah, that one kind of did surprise me when I saw it come down last night. It's like, whoa, they actually are signing back Prescott this soon. Uh, Miles, out of a couple of the players, I'll throw their names at you. Uh, out of these two, um, I think they're largely considered to be overvalued free agents, but I would assume one of them is going to get paid. Uh, which one do you think gets overpaid, Bud Dupree or Shaquille Griffin? Hmm, good question. Uh, probably Griffin because I think at least in this particular instance right now, teams know that you have to be able to defend the pass in order to win, and obviously the pass rush goes into that. But I think Griffin has played at a pretty high level for the Seahawks over the last few years. And because of that, and because I think that there's kind of a dearth of quarterback cornerbacks on the market right now, and you mm-hmm. can develop pass rushers sometimes. I mean, obviously the Raiders have a hard time doing that. But I think that there are going to be more options probably for pass rushers than there will be uh, for cornerbacks. So that's why I think that Griffin is probably the one that's going to get paid a little bit more, uh, or maybe, I guess, relative to everybody else at their position um, than, uh, than Bud Dupree. Yeah, the uh, the pro football focus crowd will tell you that Bud Dupree has definitely been a recipient of the attention that has been paid to T.J. Watt over the years and been able to get a lot of those numbers on cleanup. Uh, Miles, one more before we let you go here. Uh, now that the Raiders do have all of this money, that they might have as much as $30 million in cap space, we already asked the question of do we trust them? I think the general consensus among those here in Las Vegas is... But what do you think they will do with the money? I think you got to spend it somewhere on defense, right? And it's unfortunate that maybe it comes to that, but I think that that's probably what they have to do. Look, I don't know how much um, that interest that John Gruden showed 
uh, to Richard Sherman when he was on Richard Sherman and Chris Collinsworth podcast is like legitimately true. But I think in some ways it would make sense to have Richard Sherman there on that Raiders defense because he knows Gus Bradley because Gus Bradley was the one who basically took Richard Sherman and developed him in Seattle when uh, Bradley was defensive coordinator up there. So I think that one could maybe make a little bit of sense. But I think also you got to probably retain Nelson Aguilar. I think that he had a really, really solid season for the Raiders, especially considering his reputation in Philadelphia where you know he's somebody that just was dropping the ball all the time. I mean, so much so that you even had a guy who like caught the baby out of a window in a fire and he's saying, I caught this baby unlike Aguilar, right? And now that's still a meme. So I think from that perspective, some of these guys you've got to retain, like him, but also you've got to be able to then fix your offensive line. I, you know, you've gotten rid of guys who were key performers for you when you're talking about incognito talking about Gabe Jackson. Now Trent Brown is also gone. And they have some reserves there, but there are places that you have to make sure you've shown up a little bit um, in order for you to really be what should be a contending year in 2021. Because I think look, this team has been on the verge of playoff contention over the last couple of years. And technically they've been alive in the playoff hunt. But I don't know that anybody has really taken them seriously, seriously. So what do you have to do to get across that hump? you, you got to obviously do the things that show your talent evaluation is actually in line with what you need. Um, and if you can't increase the production out of the guys you already have, then what you do with the money isn't necessarily that important. Miles Simmons joins us here on Cofield and Company. Uh, Ari will be required from now on to take your musical choices for intros because he <laughs> nailed it once, and we know that he won't be able to do that again. So you're going to have to help him along the way here, okay? I guess I must have to, yeah. But that one was okay. really good. He, he definitely nailed it, uh, you know, even a blind squirrel, right? All right, Miles, we enjoyed our time with you, and we will chat with you soon. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Miles. All right, take care, guys. All right, everyone, now is your time. Vegas Golden Knights viewing party with Diversion Amusements, the coolest sports viewing venue in Vegas. Saturday, March 13th, Vegas Golden Knights versus the St. Louis Blues. The only way to get in is to win. The winner gets a table for four, including free food and non-alcoholic beverages. You have to be 21 or over. Caller number seven right now to Ari at 364-1100-364-1100 will be our first winner of the day. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now, back to Cofield & Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Definitely sensing a theme in Ari's rejoins today here on Cofield and Company. Thanks again to Miles Simmons for his time talking a little Raiders and NFL. Coming up next hour, we will get back into some football chat as well. The football frenzy at four and our friend Q Myers joins us at 415. Congrats to Jason, our winner for our Vegas Golden Knights viewing party contest. Uh, if you're not Jason, hey, don't fret. Don't worry. we got another chance for you to win later in the show. Stay tuned. Uh, do not just randomly call Ari and harass him thinking you're going to win.
do randomly call Ari and harass him if that sounds fun to you. That's right. Right. Okay. Now, while Ari is dealing with that, uh, VEASAN's senior, let's make sure we get this title correct, senior NBA insider Jonathan Von Tobel is going to talk a little NBA with us here for the next few minutes. Um, and, John, i got to be honest, these are questions I wouldn't ask to, to the junior insider. Um, no, junior insider couldn't handle this level of conversation, so I'm going to make sure that these are senior-level questions. Um, let's go and talk about Westgate NBA title odds as we get ready to start the second half of the NBA season as uh, our friends over at the Superbook have moved the Brooklyn Nets in favor, I should say, in front of the Los Angeles Lakers favored to win the NBA title. Has the hype train gone too far on this, or, or do you agree that a, a healthy Brooklyn team might just be able to carry on that favorite status? So I, I think, obviously, as you know well, Adam, uh, as we well know, uh, part of that is probably liability, and I wonder how much they've taken on it right to this point in terms of getting bet on the Brooklyn Nets. But I would say yes. Like If I'm looking at the way that I like rank these teams – uh, I have Brooklyn on even footing with the Los Angeles Lakers at the top of the NBA and even slightly better just because of the way that they can play offensively. You know, I, it's for for our magazine, Point Spread Weekly, actually just power rated all of the teams, or power ranked, so there's a difference, right? Um, power ranked all the teams going into the second half. Brooklyn was my number one team because of the way that they've been playing. And think about the way they've been playing without their best player. Like Kevin Durant hasn't even been on the floor for their last 11 games. So I, I would say it's warranted for a lot of different reasons. But case in point would probably be, I, I'm pretty sure they're probably a really popular selection at the window. And that's why you would shorten that up. But I do think that they're arguably the best team in the NBA. Strictly for devil's advocate purposes, let me ask you this. Is some of that projection on the Nets as opposed to what we've seen? Because you just mentioned they played really well without Durant. And I think we all just sort of take it for granted that, yes, when you put the three back together with Irving and Harden and Durant that everything is going to be even better when we know with the NBA that it can be a volatile mix sometimes to get that right whereas we saw it obviously last year with the Lakers in the bubble yeah I mean you, obviously part of it is just because you don't have the sample size to go off of I'll pull up the numbers really quickly to see what they are when all three of them are together and again it's a short sample size but yeah like that that is what you have to do at this point right now but I think it's an easy projection to make because it's a guy like Kevin Durant, right? Kevin Durant is not a ball-dominant guard like a Kyrie Irving or a James Harden. And I think that was part of the conversation was really how those two were going to gel together. You get three two weeks ago, Kyrie officially saying that James Harden is the point guard and for good measure, and it's worked out that way. And Kevin Durant's a guy who in his career, a uh, majority of his field goal attempts, surprisingly enough, have been assisted on. So I think it's a guy that really fits well off the ball and plays well next to these two guys. So I think you're – Devil's advocate in what you're talking about in terms of like a lot of what we're doing is projecting what this team could be. That's absolutely fair, but it's also the only thing you can do. But I think when you look at the pieces, right, like clearly I think personally when I evaluate them, the pieces fit together. All right. So if if all of this is some form of projection and guesswork, then I'm going to take some of your projection and guesswork for the second half and put it right between us, right here in the middle as we go JVT versus Candy on the New York Knicks. Uh, okay. you, have, you have told me, you have told me that the Knicks are getting lucky that open shots against them are not going down, and that's part of why Tom Thibodeau's defense has been so exceptional. And I, a Knicks fan, counter with this. You're wrong. 
<laughs> and like that's it. That's it. You're wrong. Uh, I'm yeah, a Knicks fan. That's all I can say. You're wrong. That's true. Uh, we have the Mecca. Uh, let's see. If you look at, I actually have the numbers right in front of me here. According to the NBA's tracking data, Knicks allow the fifth my, uh, fifth most wide open looks to opponents, but they rank first in opponent shooting on those wide open attempts, thirty seven point seven percent. To give you an idea, uh, by the way, of the percentage that other opponents are giving up, the teams that rank. Uh, behind them in terms of wide open looks are giving up 45 plus percent on those looks. So it, they're getting pretty lucky over a relatively large sample size. And then you think about it too, Adam, by the way, if you look at their second half of their schedule, uh, they got 10 opponents that rank 10th or higher in net rating, 12 that rank 10th or higher in offensive efficiency. Uh, like this is a schedule that is, I think you said it right. Tankathon had it like fourth or fifth in terms of strength of schedule. It's going to be brutal, dude. Like what the New York Knicks should have to go through. And on top of that, they've been getting kind of lucky. Like I, I do I dare say, I think they're still a slight underdog to make the postseason. It's like minus one fifteen that they're not going to make the postseason. The New York Knicks. I looked at it for a split second and thought about betting it, but I was like, nah, the play in. They might get lucky. It's such a larger sample size, so much easier to get in. I, I couldn't do it. You know what? I don't really understand why you are a senior analyst. I think you are. I think you're more like a junior analyst. I, I, there's no way I can believe that because I, as a Knicks fan, know exactly why that 37% open shooting is happening. And it's because we have the greatest arena in the world. And it's because when you step into the greatest arena in the world, you therefore are now intimidated playing against Tom Thibodeau's New York Knicks defense. You're nervous. It's why you can't make shots. It's obvious. I don't know why you don't uh, understand that. I was, more I was more intimidated by the truck driver outside of Penn Station when I went to New York that one time. That one time. <laughs> Although, but let's, let's be honest. There are some people outside Penn Station who I think can make anybody a little bit nervous. Uh, when we come back in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Stormy Bonatoni about VGK. But on the other side here, Golden Knights fans, Mark andre Fleury really wanted you right from the start. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.